0: Good afternoon, and welcome to Soul to Soul. Always a great privilege to be with you on a Wednesday afternoon. Today is Yom Hazikaron. Actually, the the normal date of Yom Hazikaron is tomorrow, is the fourth of the year. Today is the third of Elul, uh, but it's all been brought forward because Yom HaAtzimut, um fell this year on the fourth of Elul as a Friday, so it's brought forward to the Thursday, and therefore Yom Hazikaron is th- the Wednesday. Is today. So Yom Hazikaron is a very important day. Um, a very important day for all of us to take a few moments and think about those heroes That gave their lives in the protection of the Jewish people in the protection of the Jewish state those Neshamas that died al kiddush Hashem that died sanctifying God's name protecting the Jewish people and ensuring um, that we have our own land our own independent state and if it weren't for their Ultimate sacrifice. So we wouldn't have our own land. We wouldn't have Eretz Israel, which would be an independent Jewish country And so we all should be very grateful to those individuals and we should feel the pain of their families And we should empathize with them and show them appreciation for the sacrifice of their loved ones ensuring that we have a land of Israel that belongs to the Jewish people and that really is a game changer for all of the Jews around the world. That is the difference between um, pre-war Europe, pre-war world, and the world today. And uh, it's a, we're very blessed to have the land of Israel. and We can get on a plane. And a few hours later, there we are in the Holy Land, which is a, a great blessing and a great miracle and something we shouldn't take for granted in our time. The fourth of Iyar also is the site of one of the great Jewish giants, spiritual giants, um, in the last 200 years, and that's Rav Yosef Dov Soloveitchik. He was known as the Beisai and um, Rav Yosef Dov Soloveitchik was born in 1810, and um, he died in 1892, and uh, he was an, an incredible human being, a great genius. In 1854, he joined the famous Volazion Yeshiva, which was the center of Jewish scholarship at the time. He became one of the Rosh Yeshivas of Velazhin, and uh, he built up Velazhin to be the great Torah. Um, the really It was a a, a a place where they churned out Talmud Chachamim. It was the center of Torah learning in the world, in Lithuania, in the world. And all the other Yeshivas were an offshoot of the mother of Yeshivas, of Velazhin, Yeshiva and Rav, Yosef um, Dov Soloveitchik was instrumental in making Vilna the center of Torah learning that it was. Um, he was also known for his great piety. He was a very holy man. He, his fear of sin was legendary, um, which was uh, comparable to a person. An ordinary person is he fears danger in their life. So that was the extent to which Rav Yosef Dov Soloveitchik feared sin. He became the rabbi of the town of Brisk, Bresk-Litovsk in Lithuania. And uh, that was the beginning of the famous Brisker dynasty. Um, his son was the famous Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, his grandson, the famous um Rav. And uh, he was somebody who um, really uh, touched and uh, impacted on the Jewish world um, in a tremendous way. So that's, that's the fourth of the year. The fifth of the year, of course, is Yom Ha'atzmahut, is the day when the State of Israel was declared as an independent country in a ceremony led by David ben gurion in Tel Aviv in 1948. And uh, the Declaration of Independence granted full rights to Arab citizens of Israel and called for peace and cooperation with the neighboring Arab countries. Despite um, the, the following day, the armies of five Arab nations declared war and attacked Israel. And despite being in a situation where the circumstances have been so difficult and so challenging, so much hardship, terror, wars, Israel's become one of the world leaders in research and in um, agriculture. And, uh, and of course, most importantly is the spiritual center of the Jewish world. And so we celebrate the independence of, um, the state of Israel on the 5th of Iyar, um which we will actually be celebrating tonight and tomorrow. It's brought forward today, and as I mentioned, something that shouldn't be taken granted for, and we should have great appreciation to Hashem and, uh, and savor the privilege living in a world where we have a Jewish state. I wanted to share with you also some ideas. Um, we actually touched on them last Wednesday, but I want to elaborate further this week. Um, ideas about Sefirah So we are during the the time the, the period which is called Sefira Sefirah Soymer because from second day Pesach the Torah commands us lachem you should count seven to Mimos seven complete weeks weeks until we reach the festival of Shavuos and we are now in the Sefira period in fact uh, last night we counted. Um, the uh, the day of uh, number 19 19th day of the Omer and uh, so tonight we will count the 20th day of the Omer and um, it is an, a significant time in the Jewish calendar and something that I think we should talk about and understand and have an appreciation for um, a, a deeper understanding and appreciation for what that actually means. Um, good so. So as mentioned today, is last night we counted the 18th, and uh, tonight we count the 19th day of the Omer. And um, the Omer is a, a very uh, important time that the Torah tells us to use to develop ourselves, to to grow. Um, so how do we understand that from a bit of a deeper level? And that is the following, that um, the, the Pasuk says, Usfatem you should start counting from the day of the Shabbos. Now, um, the Torah Shbaalpeh, the oral tradition tells us that the day of the Shabbos is actually referring to Pesach. So, why is Pesach referred to in the Torah in this way? Um, and that was actually one of the famous arguments that we had with the Tzaddikim, with the Sadducees. The Tzaddikim were a group that didn't believe in the Torah Shbaalpeh, they were an aggrieved group, and they rebelled against the Torah. But they didn't rebel against the written Torah; they only rebelled against the oral Torah. But uh, but they went against the tradition received from Moses at Mount Sinai, and they claimed that the Torah was literal, and therefore Chazashavz means the Shabbos after Pesach. But the uh, the our authentic tradition tells us that these words in the Torah mean that it means Pesach. So why is Pesach written in that way? Meshachov explains. explains beautifully. It's also in the Hasidic forum, which uh, which is a raya that it's Ms. Because um, they both say the same thing, and that is that um, the way Hashem deals with us, the way Hashem interacts with us, is you have awakenings from above and awakenings from the below. It's called in the Sfarim Hitarusa de Leila, Latata. So, an awakening from above, above means that Hashem gives us a free gift. Hashem showers miracles upon us, even if we don't deserve them, and the entire awakening happened from above, from heaven and it filtered down into this world. And that's an example of Shabbos Kodesh. Shabbos comes whether we like it or not. Shabbos is a gift from heaven from above. Shabbos is a day of tremendous beauty and holiness and power and Hashem um, opens up those channels and shines the lights of Shabbos irrespective of what we're doing down here, whether we're going to receive them, whether we're going to appreciate them, whether we're going to connect to them or not. Shabbos happens every seven days We have the end of the cycle of the week and Shabbos Kodesh um, descends upon this world with great power and glory. But there also are awakenings that start from down here, from below. And those awakenings are actually the Yomim Tovim. We, as uh, the Torah gives permission to human beings to declare the months, to declare when the month begins. They aid him, the witnesses look and they um, see the new moon, they then go testify at the on Migdash about the um, their sighting of the new moon and if the Sanhedrin who cross-examined them, the two witnesses separately and they see that you know from the shape of the moon and from the place in the sky where it was, that these are legitimate witnesses, so they will then declare Rosh Chodesh. And the, that's when the new month will be. So the new month is determined down here by us human beings, whereas Shabbos and the weeks are determined by Hashem. And that awakening down here is a, uh, that's given over to human hands. Whereas Shabbos is in control of Hashem. Pesach was the one exception of the Yom Mitovim, which was also from above. Hashem um, performed incredible supernatural miracles and brought us out of Egypt. So Pesach has an element of Shabbos to it. And that's why in this context it's called, the Mecharas Shabbos. it's referring to first day Pesach. So what does that got to do with Sfira? Uh, we will discuss that in a moment. Please stay with us. We'll be back shortly. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxstein on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about the significance of Sirius Omer, and the fact that it's referred to as the Shabbos, which the explains that it's referring to Pesach, because Pesach was like Shabbos. Pesach was a free gift that came from above. Hashem performed these incredible miracles on behalf of the Jewish people that took us out of Mitzrayim. So what is that? And the Torah then says immediately after Mechars HaShabbos, now you count. Now you must count Yom, your 50 days. But why straight afterwards? So, What's one got to do with the other? The Ma'ral explains very beautifully. He refers to the Shabbos in San, the Gomorrah and Sanhedrin. The Gomorrah and Sanhedrin, but test La Amul So the Gomorrah quotes the Pasuk in Eov in Job that says that a human being was created for Amul. A human being was created to toil in this world. And sometimes that goes, uh, against it's the contrary of what western society tells us is success western society you need to make a lot of money like elon musk and then you can go and sit on your beach on the beach in your island home and enjoy the rest of your life that's the goal that's what we all are striving for the taurus is no the life in this world is toil and we toil each day of our lives and we have these constant battles within us between our higher self, our soul, and our lower self, our body. And that's the challenge, and that's the work that Hashem sent us to do in this world. The Maharal says an unbelievable thing. Maharal says that a human being, the first human being was called Adam because he came from the Adama. He came from the ground. And he will return back to the ground when we die and our soul leaves our body the body goes back to the ground, and the soul moves on to its ne- next phase in the eternal world. So why, says the moral is a person called an Adam? Yes, he comes from the ground, but what does that represent? What does that symbolize? What's the relevance to the existence of a human being? And he explains that ground, a piece of ground, has infinite potential. You can take a plot of land, and you could plant a vineyard. You could plant an orchard and grow delicious fruits. You could plant wheat fields and sustain many, many people. You could build a house in which families could live. You could build a, a, a spiritual center, a shul. You could build a apartment block where many families could live. The ground has infinite potential. Or you could ignore it and it could be fallow. And you could leave it in which it doesn't produce anything. And that's a human being. We all have infinite potential, like a piece of ground. And we, Adam, can do great things and produce great things with our life and with this ground that is our life, or we could let it lay fallow and not reach our tremendous potential. Listen to this unbelievable vote that I heard from Rabbi Yosef Elephant of the Mir Yeshiva. It says in the Midrash of Shirashirim Shirim that the word Be'er, which means a well, appears 48 times in the Torah and the Mishnah empirical Avos tells us that there are 48 ways 48 Kinyane Torah, Memches Kinyane Torah, 48 ways that we acquire the Torah into ourselves, we integrate the Torah into our personalities and into our lives and that's not a coincidence because a well represents a source that doesn't need any other, it's a wellspring of water and if we are able to access the wellspring of our neshama, so then we can bring out our potential like a piece of ground, which is infinite, our infinite potential. And the work of a human being in this world, says the Zohar, the Zohar actually says, the Torah tells us that Yaakov Avinu, he removed the even. Um, There was a big stone on the well and Yaakov removed the Zohar says that there wasn't only literal it was figurative as well Yaakov was able to move the stone that was covering up the well And we all have an Evan over our well of our neshama. The Evan says the Zohar Represents the Yetzirah and that Yetzirah blocks the infinite potential the well springs within of the soul and our job in this world is to take the Memches kinyane Torah the 48 ways to acquire Torah and those are the antidote to the Yetzirah Sahara and that assists us in removing the Evan Beir. If we live according to the 48 ways of acquiring the Torah, so we remove the stone that covers the well and we unleash our infinite potential and that's how we achieve our purpose um, in this world. So that is what sphere is. Each day of the spherea, there are 49 days and the Sforim say that on each day we should work on one of these Kenyane Torah on one of these characteristics through which we acquired the Torah and Then if we've done that for the 48 days of the counting from Pesach to Shavuos And we've fulfilled the command of Sfatim Lachem in al HaShabbos You count from the day of to Pesach and of course we have to count the Torah is telling us literally to do the mitzvah of counting And that's why we count each night. We count what that night is um, in the Sphera, as we counted last night, the 18th. And we are also supposed to be working on those Kenyan Torah on each of those 48 days. And the last day, the 49th day, we do Chazorah, we do revision of all of them, and then we're ready to be in Kabul the Torah. And that's symbolizing removing the stone from the Be'er, removing the Sahara, and allowing the Be'er, which is appears 48 times in the Torah, allowing our infinite potential to come out and to develop. So for example, the, today, as I mentioned, is the 18th day of the Omer, and today um, the, the middle of the 48 Ways, the 18th one of these characteristics, is bemut Dere It's to reduce your business activities. So the Torah is telling us that, you know, of course, if somebody wants to be successful in this world and wants to um, make a success of their business or success of their career, that only comes through blood, sweat and tears, very hard work and one's really got to um, put in the effort and, um, and get to the grindstone and there's no shortcuts. We all know that. One w- wants to succeed in any area of life, so one has to put in the effort and the time. But as a Jew, I, I, I saw an interview recently of Elon Musk and he says his, uh, his working hours are absolutely ridiculous. He works uh, seven days a week and many, many hours. Um, you know one needs that kind of effort if you innovating the world like he is and changing the world with his incredible um, New products that he's bringing to market and he's his brilliant brain that has the creativity to see and project What's uh, where the world's going in the future, but as a Jew? Yes We work hard and yes, we can have a successful business a successful career but we also need to learn how to curtail that and to have the right priorities and values and the mida of Today the 18th day of the Omer, to Deret Eretz, that we should reduce Our business activities in order to allow time for the study of Torah. There has to be a in our day Yes, we've got a busy day and yes We putting a lot of effort and energy into our business into our career But there has to be time for limit time. There has to be time for spiritual pursuits Can't only be focused on the material physical world. We also have to put aside in our schedule time for our spiritual development and that's for limited learning Torah and that's for davening and a minion because our soul can't be ignored our soul can't be brushed aside we're going to dis- discuss that a little bit more in a moment but so that's one of the 48 uh, characteristics that's today's characteristic and so the the idea that we are saying based on the Meshchokh and the Maharal is that the um, time of counting the Omer, these 49 days of times of intense work, where we are able to um, unleash the infinite potential of a human being, remove the stone, the Yetzar from the bear from the wellsprings of spiritual um, greatness that is within each of us, and then we achieve what the potential of Adama, of this, of this human being is, of this Adam. We each are an Adam, we are a human being. And we are then maximizing this piece of land that Hashem has given us and producing the goods and producing the fruits that we're supposed to in our lifetime. So that's what the sphere represents. That immediately after Hashem gave you the free gift of Pesach and the supernatural miracles took you out of Mitzrayim, immediately you start counting. Immediately you start doing the work of working on ourselves, of removing the Yetzirah and of accessing the Torah and allowing our Neshama to soar and We achieve the infinite potential spiritual potential that's within each and every one of us So that's a beautiful and powerful idea of what we're doing with the counting of the Omer um, One should we say a bracha when they count the Omer if we miss the day, so then we um, Cannot say the bracha we should still count if we miss the day We shouldn't we it doesn't matter. We should still count what the the correct day is but then without a brocha, we try to go to shul and hear a bracha from somebody who hasn't missed a day, or if you haven't missed a day, you can say the bracha yourself. Okay, I want to move on to another uh, very important idea that I want to share with you that actually comes from the Torah reading this week. This week we read Parshas Kedoshim. Parshas Kedoshim is fascinating in that the one of the great mysteries of life is what are we doing here? And in Judaism, we encourage questions in Judaism, on the contrary, all of Judaism is built on questions. And if you were paid attention to your Pesach Seder, um, you would have seen that the Seder is designed to bring out questions and to encourage the children to ask questions. And that should really be the overriding um, atmosphere of Jewish education, is that it's an environment where the children are encouraged to ask questions or praised for asking questions. And no matter what the question is, no matter how direct and penetrating it is, no matter how challenging it is, that is the the way to uncover the truth. Because in Judaism, and as Jews, we're not frightened of any questions. And we believe that um, it is the truth, the Jewish understanding of life, that God did give the Jewish people the Torah 3, 000, 3, more than 3,300 years ago. And the, most of the world, even to this day, um, accepts that that event did take place, and that God's word was shared with the Jewish people via Moses, and that is the basis of the Jewish religion. So we believe that our religion is true. We're not making anything up, and therefore we encourage as many questions as possible, and we do our best to answer them. Maybe we can't answer all the questions, but certainly the more questions that are asked, the more we get to the bottom of the issues, and we um, unveil the truth. And interestingly enough, this week's Parsha actually Tells us the reason why we should be holy. It says, Kadoishim to you, Hashem, Hashem says to Moshe, speak to the Jewish people and tell them, Kadoishim to be a holy nation. Ki kadosh ani Hashem Because I am holy, Hashem your God. So Hashem tells us why. We've seen elsewhere in the Torah, and when we just before Kabalosa Torah, Pashis Isroi, the preparation for uh, the Torah that Hashem says to Klal I want you to be a but it doesn't tell us why I want you to be a a, a Kohen, a, a nation of priests and a holy nation. It doesn't say why. But here in Parshas Hashem says, Hashem says you be holy, ki Ani Hashem, because I am holy. It's a very powerful thing. Hashem's telling us that we must emulate Him. Hashem's telling us that we um, should follow in Hashem's. Footsteps, so to speak, Kaviyoche. we should follow the model of Hashem, that we should emulate Hashem in our lives as best we can. In fact, that's the introduction to Hashem which there are many, many mitzvahs where Hashem tells us how to be holy. Hashem gives us the framework of Kedusha, of holiness and of sanctity, of living with holiness in this physical material world. And so that is our role. We are partners with Hashem in creation and we emulate Hashem. And that's really a very basic human instinct that human beings want to emulate others. I'll give you an example. Um, If you know me, you know that I'm a big soccer fan. I'm actually a big Liverpool fan, so I'm very happy about last night's results. But if you look at uh, the world, the physical world, the world of sport, so people want to emulate great sportsmen or great sportswomen. People want to be like them. Um, For example, just last year, 2021, the shirt sales of both Messi and Ronaldo were over a million each. There were over a million Messi PSG shirts because he changed clubs and there were over a million uh, Ronaldo Manchester United shirts sold last year. Over a million. That's a lot. It's a big number. So we see because every kid, and not only the kids, the adults too, they want to be like Messi and they want to be like Ronaldo. They want to, even though they don't have the physical attributes of Messi and Ronaldo, they don't have the talent and the skill and the flair that both of these two you know, absolute geniuses in football have. But everybody wants to go beyond themselves in the physical world. They want to be like the best. They want, to, they want to exceed what they're achieving now and emulate the best. It's the same thing spiritually that a human being has within them. This innate desire to connect to spirituality, to spiritual truth, to, to godliness. Um, That's what we call a conscience and when we're not doing that, so a person feels like something's missing. A person feels there's a void in their life and in their world if they're not emulating uh, and connecting to eternity, to infinity, to a power greater than ourselves, to a moral standard above and beyond where we are. So that is one of the natural innate instincts of a human being. And we all very much want to connect with God and and with a a spirituality and the morality that is beyond where we are now. Um, And that's why my proof for that is there are people that are um, the most successful in the material world. Let's say, for example, the actors in Hollywood or the great rock stars. These people are very talented. These people have unlimited money. These people are physically usually very beautiful. And so they've really conquered the material physical world, but they are amongst the unhappiest people in the world. Why is that? It doesn't make any sense. If your goal in life is to succeed in the material world and these people have succeeded, why are they unhappy? Because within them, there's this void. Within them, there's this, this yearning for something that is morally above where they are, morally and spiritually um, beyond what, what the physical limitations of this world are. And without having that, they turn to drugs and they turn to abuse of alcohol and they are the the, the the numbers of overdoses are alarmingly high because they're very unhappy because they don't have the spiritual element to their lives. So that's what Pasha's Kedoshim is telling us, is that our role in this world is in order to go beyond ourselves, in order to emulate Hashem. We are on Hashem's team and to be like Hashem. Kadoshim to you, Ki kadosh Ani Hashem location. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So we're discussing how it's part of the human character, part of the human makeup to want to emulate we want to emulate those that are better than us physically and of course we want to emulate and have role models on a moral level as well and that's why the torah tells us kadosh you be holy ki kadosh anayashim. because i am holy emulate me and produce holiness and sanctity in your lives and it's an amazing thing the holiness how do we achieve holiness how do we do this so the torah tells us torah gives us a clear framework of kadosh and breaks it down into two different categories. The one category has been Adam the Haveroy, between us and our fellow human being, and we're supposed to achieve holiness by um, by being kind to our fellow human being, by treating our fellow the way Hashem treats our fellow, emulating Hashem. What's that? The Gemoran Shabbos says, Just as Hashem is merciful, so you too have to be merciful. Just as Hashem is compassionate, you too have to be compassionate. That is the, um, the pathway to emulating Hashem in terms of our relationships with our fellow human being. And so we have to live with a sense and the Torah actually gives us, you know, concrete examples. We have to pay our work on time. We have to help others when they're in, in distress. We have to return lost objects. We have to respect another person's property, etc., etc. So that's the, the one way, that we emulate Hashem. And the other way we emulate Hashem is by living with Kedusha. Living with Kadusha is, of course, following the mitzvahs between Adam and Marko, between us and Hashem, following the mitzvahs between us and and God. And there are many of those mitzvahs, there's many different laws, the laws of Kashrus, the laws of Shabbos, the laws of of, um, of Yom tev the laws of davening, there the many mitzvahs we're supposed to do. Many are we're not supposed to do. So, so those those laws that the Torah gives us, or enable us to live with sanctity and kedusha um, in our lives. And when we do so, so we are partners with Hashem. We're partners with Him. The the Gemara says when the God, when we keep Shabbos, we acknowledge that there's a Creator, that God created the world in six days, and the seventh day Hashem rested. Every time we keep Shabbos, that's called a zeche. Remember the act of the creation of the world, so Hashem stopped creating on the seventh day, Hashem stopped all creative activity, and therefore we emulate Hashem and also stop all creative activity on the seventh day, and that is then an acknowledgement of Hashem being the creator of the world, that it's God's world, that God created the world, in that pattern, six days Hashem created, seventh day Hashem, uh, Hashem stopped creating and uh, and no longer continue to create. And therefore, we emulate that too. And then the, the Gemara says, within, then we become partners with Hashem in creation. We acknowledge that Hashem is the creator of this world, of this incredible world, that God created it. And by us abstaining from creative activity on Shabbos, so therefore we become um, witnesses, aiding. We testify to the fact that God created the world. It's a very powerful thing there. Very powerful concept. And when one actually does it, it is incredibly moving. It's incredibly uplifting spiritually to withdraw from creative activity, not doing any melocha, the thirty-nine creative activities of melocha on shabbos And by doing so, we are acknowledging that God is creator of the world and we actually entering into a breach, a covenant with Hashem. We then become partners with Hashem and we part of this covenant with God every single Shabbos, every seventh day we do that, which is very, very powerful, a very powerful spiritual um, activity. So that's how we do that. And that's how we work in sync with Hashem. That's how things flow, and that's how we play our part in creation as we were talking about Sfira, that we're supposed to be counting, um, and we we doing the work of releasing our soul and not only living in a material physical world where the body controls everything, that is our job. So I want to I want to share with you a beautiful story. It's a famous Jewish story that illustrates this. It's a, it's a Jewish story. I actually heard it from Rabbi Beryl one. Um, it also appears in the Hasidic book of short stories. Um, a beautiful story which illustrates this idea. So the story goes as follows. There was a two brothers. They both came from Lithuania from Eastern Europe and they landed in the United States. And the one brother was a very streetwise individual. He was very savvy. He opened up a grocery store, and uh, he was an excellent businessman. His brother, on the other hand, was a bit low-functioning, was not able to succeed in business. But he he obviously wanted to help his brother and include his brother. So this savvy, smart businessman, he – has his grocery store. He opens another grocery store. He opens another store in town. And then he he extends across the whole province where he lives, state where he lives. And then he goes uh, nationwide. He has a a franchise throughout the country. And he gives his brother, who's not so um, good at business and who is a little bit slow, he gives his brother the chewing gum ball machines, he says, you'll be in charge of chewing gum balls. And in every store that we open the chewing gum balls are your responsibility. And the brother is very happy. He's not a very small part of the turnover of this now big business, but, uh, he gets a salary and he's part of the business and he's busy and, and everybody's happy. The smart savvy brother then passes away and, um, his son takes over the business and it's a big business, it's a serious operation. And this son now has got no time for his uncle who comes in and reports back on the sales of the chewing gum balls and chewing gum ball machines. He he doesn't have any patience for him, the nephew. And so he buys his uncle a condominium in Florida and he sends him, he retires him and sends him off to Florida. And in a very short space of time, so the business begins to struggle He's overextended himself, the nephew, the son who took over. His cash flow is low. The banks are calling in the loans. He's not able to to pay back the loans. And it's looking like the business is going to collapse. It's going to go insolvent. And the uncle from Florida then visits. And the uncle from Florida says, you know, I see you very worried. What's going on? I can see you stressed. And, you know, this, the, the nephew doesn't have any time. He's trying to save the business. They have the time for his uncle. But he tells him, he says, you know, um, I think I've, I've stretched too far. I've overextended the business. The banks are calling in the loans. They're not able to pay the loans. And we might, we might go insolvent. And the uncle said, you know, I'm so sorry. I apologize. But I had to retire sometime. And the, the moral of the story is very powerful. And that is when the other brother, the slow brother, was being supported, and was being a part of the business. When he was, when he, when the smart brother was part, was in partnership with Hashem and was living with care and compassion for his brother. And he was, the business was supporting him. So that's when the business was a great success. We don't know where the success comes from. We don't know what, where the partnership works, but that was when the business thrived. And now that he's thrown out and not part of the business, So suddenly the business hits hard times and struggles and so when we are partners with Hashem in the world And when we take that partnership seriously and when we treat our fellows The way Hashem wants us to and we learn how Hashem we learn Avram Avinu learned Bikur Chulim and Hachnasas Orchim visiting the sick and um, having guests in one's home and um, and Menachem and to, to comfort mourners. So all of these things we learn from Hashem when we implement that in our lives and we live with the compassion for our fellow human being. So then we are partners with Hashem and we bring Kedusha in our lives. But when we say, no, I don't need you, Hashem. I'm going to go on my own. There's no God. It's all chance. It's all accident. It's all random. There's no higher moral value through which, for which we should strive. So then Hashem says, okay, you want to be on your own? I'll let you go on your own. And we see what happens when we left to our own devices and uh, where we end up as a result. So that's a very powerful story. And that's really the message of Parshish Kedoshim. That is to enter into this partnership of Hashem, to emulate Hashem, both in terms of our treatment of our fellow human beings and in terms of our um, relationship with God. And that brings about a successful partnership which uh, brings Hashem, Hashem's blessing. Into our lives. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxstein on 101.9 High FM. So we're discussing Parshas Kedoshim. Hashem commands us to be holy because Hashem is holy. That means the way we treat our fellow human beings with love, compassion, and care, the way Hashem treats us, and the way we relate to Hashem is with a sanctity. We don't give in to our lower self, but we follow the framework that Hashem gives us in the Torah with Halacha and um, with following the mitzvahs. That's how Hashem wants us to behave. That's how we bring sanctity and holiness into our lives, and that's how we emulate Hashem. And so when we do our various, when we transgress, when we, when we go against the commandments of the Torah, and we do things that the Torah says we shouldn't do, so that's a breach in the agreement with Hashem. That's a breaking of the partnership. That's a rebelling against fitting into following Hashem as our role model and emulating Hashem into this world. And that's our, our goal and our intention. I'll just end with one story. Uh, Rabbi One talks of when he was the head of the OU and Hershey Chocolates, which is a big chocolate chain in America, uh, became kosher. And so Rabbi One went to their headquarters to sign the contract. And as he went into the main boardroom, there was a massive picture of the old man Hershey on the wall. And his son, who was the CEO, said, that's there in order to tell us who we have to live up to. And that really is the life of a Jew, that Hashem is our role model. We look to Hashem and we have to live up to the standards that Hashem sets out for us in the Torah, both in the way we treat our fellow human beings and in the way we behave in our own relationship with Hashem. And by doing so, we become holy. Be holy because I am holy. And by keeping Shabbos and by keeping Yom Tov, and by keeping kosher and by dressing in a modest way, and not speaking Losh and Hora, and fulfilling the mitzvahs of the Torah. So that turns us into a of goi Kadosh and that is our mission in this world, to emulate Hashem in our lives. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.